Thanks for tuning in to the CoLive podcast, where we explore learnings, insights, and discussions with co-living operators and professionals from around the world. If you're a first-time listener on our podcast, just a quick reminder that CoLive is the world's largest co-living association with the goal to connect, educate, and empower co-living professionals. Today's episode has been recorded during one of our monthly meetups, where we discuss a wide variety of topics related to co-living. To join our network or find out about future meetups and other events, please visit colive.org. That's co-liv.org. This week's episode is brought to you in partnership with Young Global Living, the platform for your co-living space based on your preferences. With Young Global Living, you can find a new place to live, discover new work opportunities, and connect with other community members all on one platform. Young Global Living wants to make experiences the new kind of living by matching co-livers with like-minded communities and providing co-livers with local perks where location is no longer a barrier. Feel free to look in the show description for more info on Young Global Living, as well as a link to their website, Young Global Living, where you want to be. Let's hop right in to today's episode. Uh, so without further ado, as I mentioned before, for those that have just joining now, the first part of this session, we, we go through a little bit of a market update, so we get a post in what's going on, and no better person to, to, to help us with that than Ricardo Guimarães, who is the managing partner of Confidencial Immobiliario, who is one of the premier platforms or, or data houses in Portugal. And, you know, we have used the Confidencial Mobiliario in many of our appraisals. And I think if you want to tune in the Portuguese market, I think, you know, don't, don't hesitate to contact Confidencial Mobiliario because they do a great job on that. So, Ricardo, I'll, uh, please feel free to share your screen and start your presentation. It's going to be about 10 minutes, and then we're going to have a couple of questions. But uh, I know I sent you lots of questions to Cobra, so do the best you can. Thank you a lot. Uh, say hello to, to everybody uh, and uh, say thanks for the, the invitation. It is a pleasure uh, to, to share some figures. The, those figures are about the Portuguese market, as you will see. And uh, Williams, uh, thanks a lot for your... Uh, um, for, um, and the way you mentioned Confidential um, Mobiliario, I hope that uh, in the end uh, everybody might agree <laughs> with your uh, with your view. Uh, so I have 10 minutes, so it is going to be just a very short uh, uh, sharing some ideas about the market. Uh, um, just uh, stating that uh, I'm going to share my uh, my screen. Just stating that uh, I, I I don't have specific figures about, uh, let me start by where I would like to start. Um, there are no specific figures about uh, co-living in Portugal. This is a very recent market uh, in, in Portugal, but I will share some figures about global residential and uh, the rental market and the specific trend also to speak about um, the, the small flats with one or uh, with, with no or, or uh, up to one bedrooms. Um, as you as you said, we are um, we are a, a data bank. Uh, our activity is gathering data and publishing analysis and reports, market reports. Uh, what we do specifically is uh, providing the, the the players 
with uh, uh, oriented information for their activity uh, based on real transaction prices or real new contract rents um, from from our information systems. I'm not going to to spend much time presenting. You are welcome to visit our website and to learn a bit more about those. Um, I have um, prepared a group of uh, of uh, uh, slides or graphs that I have here uh, in my website, and I'm going to share you a bit with you a bit uh, the latest trends on the Portuguese market. Um, this, uh, this this first uh, image is to say that uh, uh, we were uh, in terms of the residential market and transaction prices, we we were in in a very positive path before uh, COVID. Um, and uh, what happened since uh, March is that market um, obviously changed the, the, its rhythm and uh, started to grow, but at a, at a slow path. Only uh, this last figure from September presents the first, I would say, significant change in this scenario with a monthly uh, decrease of uh, 2.1%. Uh, it is a it is a monthly uh, change. It is it is important, but obviously we also had before that type of uh, variation uh, in this in this graph uh, in this side. Uh, what we we can see is that basically um, <clears throat> now we, our price index is uh, at uh, this level that more or less uh, represents the level the level we were in April or March. What, so what has happened in September is a correction uh, regarding the price increase that took place in uh, during the last months um, in, in COVID context already. Um, that was a, a global uh, national level variation. Uh, our price indexes can go at uh, local levels. And here we see that that global behavior uh, hides behind very different behaviors at local level. Uh, we see Algarve, it is the main touristic um, uh, uh, region in Portugal. It has a, a quarterly decrease and uh, uh, suburbs around uh, Lisbon and Porto are also uh, affected. And Lisbon is still as a quarterly increase Obviously, not a very significant, but still uh, an increase. This means that perhaps there is what we could call a flying to quality uh, process. People trying to, uh, if they are investing, uh, invest in more secure markets. Uh, Porto at a small decrease, but we see that Porto and Lisbon clearly uh, are, have a, a distinct uh, uh, behavior comparing to the rest of the to the rest of, of the regions. Um, but uh, rents, rents are more uh, easy to, to decrease, as you imagine, because it is, I'm speaking about long-term rents, monthly rents. Uh, here we see the, the series for Porto and for Lisbon, the long series. Um, and uh, here we see that Lisbon is clearly in a different uh, path and already uh, decreasing rents. Um, the, the decrease in rents in Lisbon uh, year on year achieved already, um, uh, it is more than 10%, 11.1% decrease. And this is different from Porto. Porto is still a positive, but year on year, 
on quarterly basis, it is also decreasing. So the short-term behavior of the market is, our, is most important Lisbon in terms of new, rents of new contracts, new contracts um, for those periods. Not it is not the variation obviously of the stock um, uh, in the rental market. Um, so rents are, are are decreasing. I'll say I'll, I'll say. Uh, more quickly with a more uh, sharp way comparing to, to prices. Uh, we, we compute uh, uh, residential in the, uh, yields by comparing for the same segment uh, the behavior both in the rental market and in transactional mar uh, uh, markets and uh, making the ratio from both. And uh, what we see here is that um, these, these yields, they, they, are, they are composed quarterly, but they benefit from uh, the, the last semester. It is an average uh, um, in, in block for, for the last two quarters. So it, is not, it doesn't really re reflect the, the short-term uh, uh, effect. But what we see here is, is that rents uh, were more or less uh, stable, uh, both in Lisbon and in Porto. I would say at at a low level, but even though not a very low level uh, level, uh, considering the alternatives and considering the interest rates uh, context, um, we don't see here too much of a shift. There is some some increase already starting from half 2019. Um, in, in Porto, the the behavior was in the opposite um, direction mainly because uh, rents were really increasing uh, in Porto, uh, but prices were also increasing uh, over the last period. So uh, it is a bit how both markets behave in the short term that defines this type of balance. Uh, but in Porto, I'd say prices, uh, rents started to increase before and prices started to, to, to increase after. And that's why yields were a bit uh, um, uh, going down. Uh, it is important to, to share some figures about the short-term rentals. Uh, well, uh, I would say um, uh, on brackets, uh, Airbnb's uh, market. Um, we follow on daily basis uh, Airbnb's um, uh, uh, houses. And uh, we, here we, we see occupancy rates, both for Lisbon and for, and for Porto. We see the impact of, of the COVID crisis. Uh, there is a, a small increase in occupancy rates for August and also for September. Those figures are already uh, finished, not published, but available. And so we see that September compares positively comparing to August, but still uh, very low levels, as it is uh, easy to imagine uh, from the impact of COVID on the tourist market. This has um, an impact, I think, important for this discussion that uh, is over the number of um, flats with one, uh, zero or up to one uh, bedrooms that are active in the in the in the markets uh, those uh, i'm sorry i'm not seeing uh, the comments that you might be making perhaps in the end i'll i'll, I'll see if there are any uh, but just not to to just to try to, to keep the, the time and the the the, the story uh, i was telling that uh, the the decrease on the level of occupancy the decrease on half par 
um, obviously had an impact on the number of houses that were really active in in the market because we have we have lots of houses and flats specifically that are registered uh, so legally able to be in the market but in the end they are not really active either they are not even listed or if they are listed they don't have a significant uh, a significant um, activity over the last uh, months already considering the impact of covid this means that uh, in Lisbon, there was a decrease of uh, 1,300 houses, uh, more or less. In Porto, uh, the same, more or less, uh, 1,004. 1, uh, so globally, there was a, um, a big decrease in, uh, so from, from the supply side. And we, ca we can discuss what happened to those houses if they are just... Uh, uh, frozen, uh, uh, waiting for an opportunity, still in the touristic market, or if they uh, shift to the rental market, or or they are on on sale, uh, whatever. Um, on our uh, platform, I, I I prepared you some some uh, some plots, some some tables. Sorry, uh, we have uh, several databases. I'm so I'm showing here. Uh, what we can see as the evolution since the beginning of 2019 until the last quarter uh, finishing in September in terms of number of uh, transactions and the average uh, transaction price per square meter. And, and it is important to see that in Lisbon, globally, there was a, a recovery after a significant, a, a significant uh, decrease in the second quarter for obvious reasons. But now the market started to increase even though not still achieving the level uh, pre-crisis. Um, but this, uh, this, this, this scenario is more or less what we, we see for all uh, types of units, uh, unless but for the uh, uh, studios, uh, zero bedrooms, uh, flats. So this might, means that this is the the, the class of uh, uh, flats with lower performance uh, in the last quarter and that that had still a decrease in the number of transactions this is uh, those numbers uh, reflect this location in lisbon that we call it the central lisbon um, this those are the, the parishes included in the included in the urban uh, urban refurbishment area for uh, for Lisbon. In terms of prices, well, um, th those are not house prices with uh, quality adjustment procedures. So it, it is simple averages comparing from different periods. Um, we see in Lisbon th that uh, there is um, a decrease, but this decrease uh, is mainly driven by um, a different structure in terms of uh, geographic and typology uh, of the of the houses that are being sold, so it is not uh, as as I, as I told, Lisbon is still with a house price positive trend, even though not very significant. Um, and uh, so those changes uh, specifically uh, reflect the the, the different uh, options from from demand from uh, demand. Uh, this is for Porto. In Porto, I, I would just like to, to say that uh, the number of uh, up to uh, or studios or up to one bedroom 
uh, flats have a, um, a very it, are very important in the, in the total of transactions, <clears throat> but still, just for those that know Porto, we are speaking about those uh, geographic locations that are the, the urban refurbishment areas, but that include the ma almost all main uh, markets in terms of dynamic uh, for investment and uh, refurbishment and for um, the touristic purposes. Uh, and, and here in Porto, it is the behavior was a bit different. Those studios recovered uh, in fact, the number of transactions. It is important to, to, to say that those transactions are deeds. So that this, there might be an, an effect of uh, some delay in, in the process of, uh, uh, in, in the procedures of, of uh, administrative procedures. So this perhaps might not have a total uh, significant uh, uh, mean uh, in terms of uh, market behavior, but there is something. Um, it is important to, to say that this, this profile and this behavior, both in terms of uh, number of transactions and uh, in terms of prices, if I, if, I, if, I, if I try to see specifically for the, the, sport, the, the Port Historical Center, uh, there is a, a specific uh, decrease. So here the market is, is really... Uh, with uh, uh, a performance clearly below the uh, the, the alternative uh, uh, locations in the in the city, reflecting the fact that it is, uh, uh, as I said, the location more oriented to touristic purposes. I am going to try to to just to present one more table if I am able to reach. This um, is the, the behavior from the supply side on the rental market. What this shows is, um, this shows the, the percentage of houses or flats on offer for rent, which rent was changed uh, comparing one, one period to the other because we follow the, the, the units, the same uh, houses uh, across time, we can compare and see how our uh, owners behaving. And what we see is that there was a, a short percentage of owners changing the rents. And always, always there is some dynamics in the market, but with, with the COVID crisis, the, the percentage of owners changing the rent and specifically decreasing the rent and the bid, uh, it has increased a lot. So the dynamics from the supply side on the rental market, uh, I think this, this uh, graphic uh, really can express, I would say, the change on, expe yeah. on uh, expectations. Um, closing rents in Lisbon are at this level. Um, basically, what we see here is the evolution, and we see obviously the change I spoke uh, before with the, the 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 indexes. But even though high rents, uh, high rents, if we compare to the, the the status of the market before the the evolution and uh, that the market was uh, registering uh, before before the crisis. So I don't know if uh, Ricardo, that's a fantastic uh, presentation. I, I think we are a little bit pressed for time, but I, yes. I would like to thank you because yes. it has been a very rich presentation. I think I love the 
the amount of stats that we collect. And one of the things we're going to do, Ricardo, is that uh, we're going to get all these stats and we issue a summary of this, where we collect all the main sites from this, from this presentation. It is a, it is a lot of data for such a few times, sure. so I'm sorry if uh, it was not very clear for those that were uh, seeing my presentation. No, absolutely. I mean, we are going to get further opportunities because we're going to have the summary as well that we're going to send everyone with this information digested. Okay. But uh, I, we are a little bit pressed for time, so I'd like to thank you, Ricardo, again. Stay on the call because uh, we may have people may have some questions in the end for you. Of course. But uh, I really appreciate the you know all the insights you provide and and you know uh, I love how current your data and how how clear it is. So um, so thank you so much for that. Guys, now we're going to jump into the main session, which is about, you know, how, how technology can make a difference and provide the sort of can make the difference for you as an operator or, or as a professional going forward in co-living. And uh, to kick off this session, I'd like to call um, and welcome uh, again, Andres Souza, co-living lead for Salto Systems, Praveen Paul, co-founder of Linsa Group, and Alaza Bridge from uh, Genius Hub. Guys, perhaps I would start with Andre. Could you briefly kind of introduce yourself, Andre, but very quickly because we have a lot of topics to go through, just who you are and South of Systems, and then we yeah. move to Ravine after oh, that. Okay, okay. Hi, guys. Nice to meet you all. I'm Andre Souza from South of Systems here in Portugal. We are one of the biggest companies in the world that provide access control. And uh, I'm uh, here, I make... I'm a, an account manager, hospitality and co-living now, which is a, a, a new market here. We have three main uh, uh, platforms that we use in different uh, vertical markets like commercial, education, healthcare, hospitality, which is more or less 50% of our market now. And uh, we, we work too with working spaces. We are now starting with co-living and we have the, 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 the market of residential too. Fantastic, Andre. Thank you ever so much. Uh, now, perhaps, uh, Praveen, would you mind share a little bit about the Winsa group with us? Sure thing, uh, Williams. Uh, thank you so much once again for the invite. So this is uh, Praveen, uh, co-founder of Winsa group, uh, dialing in from India. So it's really good to be in a European session. Uh, so we, pro we are a, a hospitality tech company that actually is our background. So we are a pure hardcore software company, basically. So we provide uh, operational software. So that is to handle the day-to-day -day related tasks. So we stem from hospitality, but now we're also getting into co-living and student housing as well, because it's been a big influx of requests from operators who want to standardize and look at better ways in which they can actually run and scale their operations. So I'm here just to share some insights about uh, you know, how we actually approach it from a tech angle, uh, as far as like the scalability and also other things that you know, operators should also think about when it comes to the tech stack. So uh, thanks, Williams. Thank you so much. Alice Day, who is also one of our partners in the UK, Alice Day, please uh, share a little bit about Genius Hub. We love Genius Hub at, at Beehive. Cheers. So um, it's Alistair, I'm one of the co-directors of uh, Genius Hub. Um, we started out with a purely domestic offering, uh, basically doing smart heating control. So uh, essentially we're controlling the heating and also cooling in domestic properties. Um, we have two main goals, uh, improving resident comfort um, and reducing energy costs. So the costs for heating or cooling properties, that's basically what we do. And we reduce that um, by controlling the heating in a smart way. 
very, very simple. Installing something retrofit into a room, uh, which controls the heating or cooling source, um, and using occupancy detection to determine whether the room should be uh, heated or cooled, essentially. Um, we work in both the domestic and commercial market. Uh, we started off in domestic, so we uh, have a system that's very, very easy to use because it's been used by domestic customers primarily. Uh, but in the last five years, we moved into the commercial market. So uh, we've had a lot to learn uh, with our product offering, taking that into a commercial environment where the owner um, operator isn't necessarily the person living in the property. Um, but that's where we are now. Fantastic. Um Okay, we're going to start with a general question to kick off this session, which is, all, we, all of us know that 2020 has been a very unique year. This pandemic has, has uh, triggered a whole set of new needs and demands, uh, not only from users or tenants, but also from owners and operators uh, of uh, building to rent um, um, assets. And I would like to just get allow from the market, perhaps from each of you, two to three kind of new needs that we are seeing, what people are asking you for, what you are hearing about that. Can you tell me perhaps, you know, two to three needs, again, perhaps in the same sequence, start off with Andrea, what are the kind of things that you are seeing, the new requests um, that you are seeing that two or three of them that you, you, you it's not something that, it's, it's something that's being triggered by this pandemic, essentially. Yeah, uh, here in Portugal, and I think in all the world, uh, we feel in our uh, in our market that uh, uh, we contact a lot with hospitality now here PBSA everything and now everybody or since March everybody's asking for um, solutions to to change the contact with the reception in check-ins in getting ins Every, everyone just want mobile solutions uh, con uh, without contact this is the, the main difference we are we are feeling. Yes, okay. I think it, that's the most, the, the biggest uh, difference we felt. The, the persons who are projecting, who have new projects, just project with that. The, the, the people who have now working uh, stations want to upgrade it to mobile keys, everything. Okay, fantastic. Praveen, what's your take on that? Uh, a few things from, from my side, like I think the, the, the main driver that we have seen is uh, really the uh, reduction in manpower, right? There's been a huge reduction in manpower and uh, actually a lot of operators had to operate, you know, really mean, lean and mean, right? So, and for that, essentially, uh, uh, the systems were actually needed to help those operators, uh, you know, automate a lot of those manual tasks that they were doing before, right? Through Excel sheets and, you know, other, other means in which they were actually doing a lot of these manual repetitive tasks, right? So, so there was a big drive towards that, you know, to streamline, uh, to ensure that the, uh, the existing workforce, the trimmed down workforce uh, will be utilized a lot more effectively. So that was one thing. And then really, uh, because we had a software company during the pandemic, it was quite time for us. So we came up with a full contactless solution, you know, pretty much what Andre was saying there, a massive drive from both the hotels as well as uh, co-living to go completely contactless, you know, so that that face-to-face -face, uh, exposure is completely minimized. Uh, so I'll talk a bit more about that, you know, how we're sort of working in that angle as well. So it's quite an interesting subject. Oh, great. What about from you, Alasday? So what are you uh, Yeah, Genius Hub, um, it's, it's people working from home uh, has made a staggering difference for us. Um, if you think about uh, any co-living space, um, if you're thinking about either heating it or cooling it, before you could basically do that at the start of the day and the end of the day. 
uh, now you've basically got to pay to do that all day because people are going to be using that space all day. So Genius Hub have a zone solution. So you're only heating the spaces that are actually being used. Um, so if you've got people working from home, you don't have to heat the entire property. You just heat the rooms that are being used. Uh, so that has a major impact uh, for the costs for the for the for the for the um, landlord having to heat the property all the time or cool the property all the time rather than only cooling it or heating it in the mornings and evenings. The second one is grants. Um, the, I'm talking about the domestic uh, UK market here. I imagine it might be diff different uh, or, or probably similar potentially in, in other countries. The UK government is uh, pushing hard to get people and get uh, the economy moving again. They're doing that with grants. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of news about sustainability um, before covid and uh, the UK government, at least, is pumping a lot of money into sustainable grants, uh, killing two birds with one stone, getting the economy moving, um, but doing that in a sustainable way. So a lot of low carbon technologies are now being supported a lot more uh, than they were before. Um, smart controls um, go hand in hand with low carbon technologies. So, uh, yeah, that's been a big change uh, in, the, in the government push uh, for, for, for this sort of industry. Super. Now, uh, I, I think, you know, it's, uh, let's go a little bit more deep into the topic. I think, you know, it's no, um, it should be no surprise to anyone that actually uh, real estate has one of the largest footprints in terms of industry in the world. So we, we account for like 40% of the world's um, uh, greenhouse emissions. So that's, it, it's, it's quite substantial. So managing water, managing waste, managing energy, it's, it's so important to ensure that we achieve our reduction in that, in, in, in that sort of contribution that we make to greenhouse gases. I mean, the goals coming from the, the Paris Agreement that we want to see a reduction of 50% by 2030. Um, and to do that, we need to be using, we want to leverage technology to help us to achieve that because it's such a, a massive task. Bear in mind that just given the context of real estate, it's great to be talking about technology, but you know, we are the least digitized industry in the world and the one that spends the least money in terms of a percentage of our, of our, of our development budget is spent on technology. So we are leaps behind other industries in terms of expenditure and investment in technology. And I hopefully this will change, but, but Alatay, perhaps you that you are on that sort of, you know, uh, more on the, the sort of energy use solution angle. So how do you see, you know, the role of technology in helping us to achieve these goals? And can you please uh, perhaps give us a sense of what was possible, perhaps, you know, uh, three years ago, we have been with you for four years, you know, have been genius mm -hmm. hub. It was the first system that we have seen that was doing the things you're doing and doing the zoning and, and you know, smarting management of, uh, but now there are other organizations. So tell, please, can you please give us a flavor of not only what you're doing, but also what is available in terms of other organization solutions in the market? Yeah, there's been uh, an, an, an enormous uh, change. Uh, we started this business eight years ago. So the changes that we've seen in technology have been staggering. Um, uh, you know, mobile phones, you know, if you imagine what your mobile phone was capable of eight years ago, you know, it's, it's unrecognizable now. Uh, it's the same for us. Um, heating uh, and cooling was a pretty staid and, 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 and hadn't moved forward an enormous amount with regards marginal gains on, on efficiencies, uh, potentially. But What's totally changed is wireless. 
that's what's made what we do possible now. That wasn't possible eight years ago. Um, the reliability of wireless technology basically meant that before, uh, and I'm talking, you know, three and years and before, you, you, you can't, you couldn't basically retrofit into an existing building. You would have to run cables around the building to control everything. Um, now we have a mesh network. It's incredibly reliable and robust, uh, making installation incredibly low cost, uh, fast, uh, efficient, lack of mess. That has meant that um, existing buildings can now benefit from all of the, uh, the, 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 the latest technology, whereas before that was only reserved for, for major renovation projects or, 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 or new builds. Uh, so that's, that's the, the, the main thing that has, has, has changed for us um, is, is just been the way that wireless is, is, has now completely um, revolutionized essentially how you can control buildings. And it has been amazing for us because we have been with you like for four years and we have seen how the installation not only has become way more efficient, but also, uh, you, know, uh, you know, time is money. So we want things that are efficient, but also a lot less intrusive in terms of the amount of cabling that is used. And so I think that provides a, 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 a really um, important contribution because what we are seeing in the world now is a lot of structures shifting, hotels being turned into co-living spaces, hostels being turned into co-living spaces. So the ability to retrofit a space that already exists and bring the stack in without having to make massive changes to the building, I think that's going to be is going to be really instrumental for the shift that yeah. we're going to see in the, in, in the months and, and years to come. But going back to, I think, touchless solution, that's one of the things you already mentioned that that, that has become the name of the game. Luckily for us in Beehive, we have been using touchless solutions right from the outset uh, when we create the organization. But again, the, the technology is moving very quickly. So we've got to keep up with it. And, and uh, South Assistant has been at the forefront of that. And, and Andrea, I would love to hear from you about, you know, again, just going back to give us a flavor. What was possible, we, you know, three years ago, what is possible now? Give us a sense of what can we do in terms of contactless, but also what is the pipeline? I know there are a lot of organizations like yourself that have been developing products that have decided now to accelerate them because there is a much greater demand for them. So can you tell us also what is, what is possible now and what's in the pipeline? Okay, uh, generally, uh, I will just start from the beginning. Uh, Salto have three big platforms, different platforms. One of them we have from since the beginning, which is local, it's a software, we install it. It's what we are used to see in the hotels. Uh, they have a, the software installed, they have the, 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 the equipments, they make your card, they deliver you and you go go to your room uh, then we uh, acquire another equipment for the residential market but uh, this is just you you can manage with your phone with an app it's just for for home and then salto uh, start working in our cloud platform which is uh, what we are working now it's, it's more the future uh, which uh, the, it's the name of salto ks it's our cloud solution it, it obviously, once it's a, a cloud solution, we can manage everything from anywhere. Since we have a phone or a tablet or a computer, we can do everything. And that's the way we are uh, running right now. 
so even on some uh, small hotels, hostels, they they want this kind of solutions to to take off people from the 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 the, the receptions and manage everything from anywhere. Okay, um, I'm I'm just uh, going to to explain more or less how it works. We have we can manage all the users. Uh, what kind of entry um, they can they can entry like uh, tags or uh, some fobs we can have uh, mobile mobile keys uh, we can we can uh, deliver uh, or send a mobile key to a, a guest or to a, a a staff person we can open it remotely or closed or take off the the access of someone because it didn't pay or and any problem happens, we can cut the the the, the accesses uh, in real time. We can see every every event are what are happening in each doors, which is important on uh, on the hours, the doors, the person who did it, when. It's it's really important. Uh, uh, for, as hardware, we have a lot of hardware. We have uh, hardware for retrofitting, as we were talking about. A lot of hotels are changing the the core of the of the, of their market, and they are changing for colleague workspaces, and they are uh, uh, changing the, the the doors, the the, the way they, they want to manage the the building. And we can install equipment, hardware equipment, in uh, uh, wood doors, normal doors, glass doors. Uh, we can open electric gates. In terms of hardware, we are really prepared. Now we are just moving on on the on cloud and uh, start with integrations like uh, Alasdir uh, uh, company to manage better the the buildings, and we that's the, the way we are going through. No, uh, that's very that's very interesting, Andrea, because we we have seen you know how this touchless solution also you know the residents are also becoming used to them, isn't it now? You know, at the beginning, we were using this. People are a bit confused. You know, they want a little bit more briefing and instructions how to use. And these days, it's just kind of is expected. You know, like if you don't have it, yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. start to think like, you know, you you shouldn't be doing this. You, you should, <laughs> you know, you know, keys are something of the past. I mean, we have been keyless now for for four years. So, so perhaps I would get, I would love to get the perspective of Pravina as well on that because I know it's it's, it's something that you guys have been doing as well. But I also get the perspective from, from, from automation. I mean, as you said now, you know, all operators, not only because of needs to, um, to actually uh, protect your employees, but also given the need to uh, perhaps um, reduce costs, we are having to work with less manpower. You know, the figure of the, the, uh, the, the, the sort of kind of virtual community manager is starting to appear. You know, and we are seeing that there are some markets like Brazil, India, where this is already big. There are companies specializing on that. So, so th this is very real. Um, but at automation is becoming the name of the game because you know we have to do, be able to do more, interact more, and continue to have this experience of co-living where we are very close to the resident. And, and automation needs to help us to do that in this system. So can you tell us, Praveen, what, your, what you guys have been working on in terms of supporting that, not only in terms of automation, but also, you know, uh, contactless solutions? I think that would be great to, to hear your perspective on this. Yeah, yeah, sure, 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 definitely. I think uh, Andre already touched, touched on the keys part. 
but from our perspective, uh, there's many angles. So automation is uh, not just in the software, it incorporates software and hardware components, you know, working in unison to automate things, right? So I suppose I always go back to hospitality because obviously that's sort of close to us and we, we, we dabbled there and obviously uh, Salto as well, you know, is another hospitality company that started that way. Uh, but if you look at those systems, like you know, as a guest, you go to the reception, you check in, you know, your details are sent to the Wi-Fi system, your details are automatically sent to the phone system in the room, you know, it even goes to the TV, right? So when you walk into the room, it says, welcome Williams, right? So all of that is done automatically, right? So there's no user intervention whatsoever from anyone going and updating anything, right? So, so that level of automation has sort of happened and it comes from an industry and we were talking in the breakout room as well you know, that this has evolved over a period of, you know, probably the last decade uh, where it's actually gotten to this point where things are so well connected and uh, heavily automated, right? And even if you look at a hotel and also now the co-living spaces, uh, what, we're, what we're finding is, uh, I suppose, each department is not interacting, you know, via WhatsApp or a phone call, you know, so they are interacting through a system, you know, that basically lets them communicate with each other. Not just that, at the same time, you're connecting the same system to the residents, right? So your residents are always on tap on the system as well. So, and it all goes back to what you said before, right? To the fact that obviously everyone's now so used to working on the mobile. And, you know, even the, the pandemic has just reinforced that. And it doesn't really matter what age. Now, I was very surprised when my parents who are in their 60s and 70s now can order stuff from online, you know, and have it delivered. And they've, they learned it, you know, like, and it's amazing. I, I'm, I'm just dumbfounded by how they managed to pick it up and do everything. But it's the situation forced us to, you know, get involved. And, and now it's, as you said, become the norm. And everyone's expecting to do everything from the mobile. You know, they don't want to go and talk to someone if they can actually do something over the mobile. And we went with that. So that's what we did during the pandemic period. We came up with a full resident uh, interface, which is uh, mobile responsive, a, a web app, as they call it. So it runs on any mobile. So it doesn't need a download, essentially. So what that literally does is it lets them communicate with the operator, you know, if there are any maintenance related issues, uh, obviously if, uh, that can be raised through the app, you know, and then they can actually see, you know, how are these issues being addressed? How are these issues being rectified all the way through to resolution, you know, so there's a full trail. They don't need to speak to anyone, you know, essentially that whole trail is available on, on their resident mobile app. You know, that's just one simple way in which a huge amount of work can be automated. And at the same time, it improves that resident experience to the next level. Right, so you know, I was reading up uh, like a LinkedIn post that was shared on one of our groups recently about, you know, how a resident was so uh, upset, you know, that they were not able to speak to the uh, the operator, right? Because they said I've sent the you know the operator hundreds of emails, they're not getting back to me, uh, and and these things, you know, obviously with a good system in place to improve that communication contactlessly between the resident and the operator can really help get rid of a lot of these problems, and at the same time make the operators a lot more efficient because they don't need to have hundreds of people, you know, or different uh, managers looking at different buildings. And as you said, have a virtual, you know, uh, a manager that can actually sort of sit in one place and then receives everything through the mobile and actions everything accordingly with, between their internal departments. So, so that's a big shift towards that all driven by that contactless resident uh, experience, right? And interaction hasn't reduced, right? Interaction has actually increased probably four or five times. So previously, when I used to go and speak to someone and get things done, now I'm probably sending 20 messages, you know, to get the same thing done, right? So the interaction has actually become a lot more than what it used to be face-to-face. -face. So it doesn't mean that, I suppose, going contactless 
removes that face-to-face -face element, which is what a lot are actually concerned about. In fact, it actually improves communication. This is what we found with uh, some of the hotels and some of the co-livings as well that are starting to use our, our resident contactless system. So hope that uh, gives some insight. No, that, that, that's great, Ravine. And I think, you know, I also pick back you on another question. I think that one of the, 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 the things we are seeing is a lot of technology being developed. I mean, there isn't a week that goes by without I have to go into a webinar and, you know, be introduced to a new provider of new technology. And everything is so relevant. It's, and it's, it's really sometimes very um, challenging for you and the role and an operator to think, hey, you know, like, we need to be doing this. We need to be doing that. We need to be... But the one key challenge that we see as an operator and asset owner is that, you know, a lot of the technology that's being developed is, is being developed in a very fragmented way. You know, it's different systems being, and they are all very good on their own. And the challenge of an operator is that we are trying to provide a similar experience here for our residents. They can't be moving from app to app. And, and, and therefore, what we have as an industry is a challenge, particularly around Colivio, is a challenge of integration. Because sometimes we find different systems that are fantastic on their own, but sometimes they don't work together as well for us to provide a similar experience to the, to the resident. And I think that's one of the questions I have to ask that, yeah, I know, you know, like each and every operator is it's, it's, uh, it's trying to, uh, sort of provider is trying to, uh, create some element of integration of other providers. I would love to find out from your perspective. Yeah, I would completely agree. With yeah, how we are doing this and what the what the industry needs to do to accelerate this because it's a problem. Uh, yeah, um, I'm not sure if you can hear me. Can you still hear me clearly? I seem yeah. to struggle with some of the yeah. uh, maybe some of the videos for other people then. Um, Integration is, is key in our industry. Uh, uh, it, it's an interesting problem because when you go to one company and you ask them to do everything, uh, they will do everything not very, uh, they'll do everything very averagely. Uh, if you want to do one particular thing very, very well, you need to go to a company who will go and do that one thing very, very well for you. Uh, then interoperability becomes a problem because, well, I've got one company that maybe does my lighting very well or does my security very well, um, but then they don't do heating. Uh, and if I go for a company that does lighting and heating and security, they probably won't do all of them particularly well. That's, that's our attitude. We wanted to be the best at heating. So therefore, integration is, is very, very important to us. Um, the, 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 the industry has had a number of problems. And I think that the big players such as Samsung, um, Apple, uh, Amazon, um, Google, to name a few, um, have actually finally recognized that as an industry, uh, IoT, as in Internet of Things, um, has had a slower pickup than everyone expected. Uh, and it's this integration is, is the problem. So um, there is a, a, a new standard which has been created in the last uh, six months, which is basically going to transform the way that we all work over the next five years, uh, which uh, is the connected home over IP. Uh, that's going to basically standardize a lot of the IPs, uh, 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 sorry, the, the APIs and, and the way that we all talk and interconnect together so that essentially it, it becomes a bit like when you, you, know, you purchase a, a DVD and you put it into a machine and you expect it to play. 
uh, essentially, it will just be unionize essentially uh, the, the, these things across 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 countries. So you know um, the internet and and um, uh, that, that that is kind of standardized, obviously around the world. And and I understand that this connected home over IP will basically do that same standardization, uh, which will essentially make it very much easier for everything to talk together. Um, Genius Hub addressed that problem, obviously by having uh, an open API. Uh, which allows uh, other people to write uh, plugins for the Genius Hub. So we can connect to door locks. We can connect to um, a um, management system for the building. So uh, if, if, if rooms are left vacant, it will automatically turn those rooms off. We already do that with PMS systems. So, um, yeah, I believe that it, it is really important. So each company is doing their own thing, but it is going to completely change in the next five years. Again, I believe for the better, uh, because everyone is now recognizing that this is probably holding the market back currently. Uh, can I perhaps get your perspective, Andre, a little bit? You know, what are your guys that, uh, why you guys are doing integration? Perhaps Praveen as well. You know, like it, it's such. You know, like I, I see it. Uh, it needs to be a, needs to be a collective effort. And the other thing, I think, just from the perspective of an operator, another challenge we have had is like moving from the UK to Portugal. We have some technologies that work in the UK or are licensed in the UK, and then they work really well for us. But as soon as we move to another country, they may not be licensed or they, not be, not, they may not be serviced there. And that's uh, it, it's, uh, it, it's, it's a challenge for a growing and scaling industry. So uh, perhaps, uh, can I get perhaps Andre for us and then Praveen? Sorry, your, your sound was, was having cuts, but uh, we were talking about the, the, the integrations, right? With yeah. the Integration, systems. what are you guys are doing around the integration? Yeah, we are, we are uh, preparing, uh, our tech team was having a webinar now, how to, to prepare the API for the, 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 our cloud solutions. We are moving uh, in forward with, to integrate with these platforms to, to control the eating, lights controlling, because people don't want to have an app just for access control. Uh, people want to have an app for everything that they need. Uh, it's not comfortable. We, we go to another uh, one app just for this. It's, it's, it's not comfortable. And we are moving in, in that way. As LSD said, it's the same thing. And uh, about HIOT here in Portugal, I think it's not the core. Maybe one of the, the big problems, I think it's the price. I think the technology is starting to be uh, available. Uh, we start to, to see some interesting on this in, in some new projects that are, are, are now uh, in, just in paper. The, we see interest in, in, in that and we are moving efforts to, to can do our best and integrate with the platforms uh, that our clients want to use. Super. Praveen, what's your take on this? Uh, well, in, interesting perspectives. Uh... But it sort of uh, it goes back again to the hotel industry, which was maybe ten years back, right? Where each and every vendor had their own API, right? There was no common language for any system to talk to any other system, right? And it was a nightmare. And you can, as you can imagine, as a software development company, if I have to develop or spend a huge amount of my time developing a specific, uh, you know, API request to, that only just works with one other company, you know, it's a massive effort, right? And if I do the same, and we have currently in our hotel software, we have 300 interfaces, right? So if it was, that was only possible because there was some standardization. And that was led uh, pretty much like what Alistair was saying, right? It was led by one of the veterans in the industry. In our case, in the hotel industry, obviously, it was uh, Oracle. 
or the Opera a PMS, right? That was sort of like the one that has been around for a long time. They came up with some de facto standards, right? So any system connecting to their system had to adopt a specific standard, which is very simple, you know, and this sort of got adapted by many of the other companies that actually provide that connectivity and it made things a hell of a lot easier. Then came out, you know, so many other organizations like the Open Travel Alliance, OTA, uh, HTNG, Hotel Technology Next Generation. These are all global standards which provide syntax for the API so that they can all talk to each other in the same language, right? But uh, this, this is what, you know, I think co-living has to go through. And I hope, you know, that uh, we could, from the co-living industry, look at certain standards that have been around for a while and potentially adapt them so that, you know, we can, and th this is something that I have done as well for a few uh, hardware vendors, you know, some IoT vendors who actually spoke to us, you know, they said, we'd like to connect to you. We said, look, we can send you a good level of information using a standard that is actually used in hospitality. Like for example, uh, if I need to talk to Alistair's system, I need to tell him when the resident is actually in and out of the property, right? So he has an idea when, this is, when the room needs to be turned off and on, right? So, and I can pass him that data live from our system. Because our system maintains the master record of the resident checking in, checking out, you know, and all of that aspect of things. So, so this communication, you know, following some sort of a standard has to come into place soon. Otherwise, it's going to be very, very difficult for operators like, like you, Williams, who's trying, who loves two systems, but can't make them talk. For our app, what we have done is uh, we integrated a community app within our app, right? So we sort of took a super app approach. Uh, so what we did was uh, in, in our app alone, like we basically provide a button, which when they click on, loads the community app within our app. Right. So, so that way, then, you know, the resident is actually not leaving, uh, you know, a single app. At, and at the same time, and we did that development with the community guys in you know, a matter of days, you know, because the technology has also evolved. You know, the mobile technology has evolved to a point where if two companies really want to work things out together with a little bit of effort, you know, they can actually work, make, make them work together quite well. So it's all up to the vendors, how, we'll, how flexible, I guess, we're willing to be, how, how easily we can actually talk to each other and connect together. So that's just my view. No, absolutely. Thank you ever so much for that. I think that the other thing I think has been a great, uh, a great, uh, I would say, um, uh, evolution for us has been PMS, you know, a, a profit management software, you know, like we have seen a huge amount of development. But I think one of the things we have seen is that I think my sense of PMS has started with really about helping people to manage their assets, you know, like manage their assets and perhaps uh, then evolve into terms of influencing the experience. But I think it has, my impression is just has been now the recognition that PMS actually can make your business make more money, <laughs> you know, like through business analytics and, and you know, like and, and monitoring or for instance, using that to capture preferences in terms of, you know, what users are, what, what, what people think find relevant into your building and an experience. So I can use that to inform my product development. So, um, so I would love to find out a little bit, perhaps from, again, for, for you, Andrea, around, you know, like, what do you, you know, what are the ways you think, you know, uh, we can help uh, um, um, operators make it more profitable, their business? What are the kind of sort of intelligence that they can construct for your systems? And I also would love to ask that from Praveen, and then to Alistair, more from the perspective of carbon footprint as well, because that's something that's become increasingly important sustainability. So perhaps start with Andrea in terms of, you know, what are the kind of things you can track to your system, uh, you know, through PMS? 
as as you say, Williams, in the beginning, uh, time is money, and I think with our systems, we can save uh, a lot of time. That sometimes there's a problem with the door, we can open it remotely, we can see what's happened by through your phone, wherever you are. Um, another thing that every every as are much uh, familiar with, uh, as Ricardo has shown a lot of graphics and data, we, we can provide from our system a lot of data, analyze the people flow, the hours that people get in their rooms, like like imagine like uh, we see that some 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 person getting or in his uh, room at every day at 20, 20 o'clock, okay? Maybe we, we could integrate with some platform as Alas Dair that the system could uh, start running at 7.30 and you don't have that energy pike and we can manage the, the energy to, to save more energy. That's a, a, a small case. And this way, I think you can save some, some, some energy and, and money and uh, we, can, uh, we can help uh, improve the, the, the experience and and uh, uh, and give an, a, an, a technology offer. I think this is one of the of the most important. Another thing is that we can uh, export our events in a list to another software, and they can manage it uh, in the way that they they need. What is that uh, exactly? What we can export, Andrea? What what is that you can export? Uh, we can export like events like which door a person open, who open. Uh, when did you get in? Uh, I think this is events that important to understand, to get data, to analyze the flow, the dynamics in the building, of the building, the, the dynamics, flow. everything, the, the the people you have. Yeah, absolutely. Praveen, what's your perspective on that? I mean, I know that you guys uh, have been doing this for a while, so uh, so what is your perspective on? on I mean, now uh, you that? hit the nail on the head by saying data. That one word data, right? Like, uh, or data, as we'd like to call it in different parts of the world. But there's a good uh, actually, uh, uh, quote that uh, my colleague, Pat, who's actually here in the, in the session as well, he said, you know, uh, by Edwards Demning, and he said, without data, you're just another person with an opinion, right? So, so you, it's a very interesting one, I <laughs> thought, because you may be opinionated by something, but if you have no data to back that up, it's meaningless. Right. So, so essentially having that data, you know, and not just and, and, and from an operational perspective, I suppose, having that data about what the past residents have done, you know, how, what are the rates that you've actually, you know, had them and having that at your fingertips. Right. Uh, so that you can actually look at what has happened in the past and hotels do this all the time. Right. They actually know exactly. And uh, I think I heard a term revpar, you know, revenue per yeah. room. I think Ricardo used that term, which is a hotel term. You know, and, and these are terms that, you know, I think co-living also needs to look at, you know, like look at it from a revenue angle, you know, how can I make more money out of my unit, right? And that comes with a number of different factors. You've got to look at data from the past, look at, you know, who actually utilized your units at what, what rate, then start looking at your projections, you know, and that only comes when you actually have loaded all of your data into the system, all of your future, you know, reservations, your future uh, tenancy agreements, you know, all of that has to go into the system. Then you're starting to look at your pipeline, you know, you're starting to work out, hey, look, around this time, I think I may need more units, you know, because I've got a bit of a rush coming in for the number of tenants. And at the time, you know, you'd be doing your traveling around like you, what you did today, you know, go over, sign up another property, add it onto the, you know, onto the pipeline. But 
without this data you know it's it's very difficult to make these decisions uh, to scale your your setup you know up to the up to the next level and what we're finding as well now the few operators that are also getting into fnb food and beverage you know like uh, being able to package that as well as part of their uh, i guess uh, experience or the resident experience and again same thing it has all got to connect back to that resident profile and the resident profile should be rich right so you as an operator looking at that resident profile knows the entire history of the resident you know what are what what is that resident's likes dislikes what what do they like doing what do they like buying you know all that history that you have about that resident is what makes you unique and you only get that when the the data is actually sitting somewhere and you have access to it to to do your analytics mm. so definitely from an operational perspective data is everything you know so and it's past and future data that uh, actually work hand in hand to improve your revenue absolutely thank you so much uh, perhaps just very quickly for you alas day in terms of you know like tracking carbon footprint what what do you see there being you know uh, how, yeah, how so, this can be supported absolutely so when it comes down to revenue so uh, you know we can't fill your rooms more but what we can do is obviously drastically reduce the wastage of heat uh, in rooms when they're not being used so the genius hub if we just look at heating obviously um, then you're looking at about a 25% saving when you smart start to go to a, a zone system which is which is reducing it and only heating or, or or essentially cooling rooms when they're being used so the first thing i think from a perspective of profitability of buildings it's reducing one of the largest costs which is in england at least it is it is the heating cost of running a building um the, the second is reducing risk so if you have air conditioning units where uh, in in rooms or you have electric heating for example which essentially just could be left on 24 hours a day uh, as a landlord uh, you you run the risk of essentially uh, uh, and it's a risk that you have no control over um, of, of essentially some of your properties becoming incredibly incredibly unprofitable because uh, a, a lot of the the the, the money uh, is basically being spent on heating and cooling um systems like genius hub um uh, mitigate that risk completely because uh, it's impossible to leave the heating on when genius hub is 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 installed essentially the tenants still have control um um of their room uh, but it wouldn't needlessly be left 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 on um and and coming back to the other point about sharing information this is where it gets really smart where for example you as exactly as 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 andre said if you've got a door lock that that knows that it's been unlocked um then that's great because you could turn the heating on uh, in a particular room for example uh, the the central door for the for the building uh, that, that that might have a 10 minute um kind of preempt of of somebody going into their own bedroom and therefore their bedroom could be preheated um so uh, that 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 stuff is where it gets really smart taking that the opposite way genius hub used uh, occupancy sensors to detect when rooms are actually occupied not when we think they're occupied it's this is definitely somebody occupying this room uh sharing that data obviously across other systems so that we know that the the, the rooms are being used at certain times of the day um may help with other things like ventilation for example you do not need the ventilation running as hard if actually only 50% of the rooms are actually occupied so so sharing all of that between systems mean you need to install less Uh, and you it's it's the stuff that you install which you're obviously having to pay for so huge benefits i think um over the next 5 years of of interoperability and connecting these things together so you can install less uh, and and essentially achieve more well we're truly excited to see that guys i mean it's you know it, i i i think you know it's it's a period that's so much possible and it's about us getting to 
the time to make that, that integration happen. But perhaps, you know, I'm conscious of time. And my last question to you guys is going to be around, you know, if you're advising someone like myself who's invested in operator in, in co-living, you know, in terms of what technology you should be investing in terms of betting for the future, which one, you know, essentially the question we keep asking ourselves in behind, you know, is, you know, we can't invest in everything. So what are yeah. the, the technologies that are going to have the greatest upside? What are the ones you need to be investing uh, and in technology, it's not simply about in making the investment. It's about training your people and becoming proficient at using. So b- between the time you think about it and the be- between the time that you actually start to make a difference, that is a, uh, a substantial lag of time. So we need to be thinking hours ahead of the game. So Alasay, perhaps for you, like... Well, yeah, well, do you mind well, if I jump in first on yeah, this one? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So for, for, for me, I think it's, it's all about tangible benefits. Like it's actually having something which is either going to save you money, uh, going to save you time, um, um, or, or maybe have environmental impacts. Uh, those would be the three things on, on, on our mind, the minds of the landlords who install Genius Hub. Um, I think also longevity. Uh, I think uh, there is a concern, obviously, with certain things that actually, you know, you install them and five years later, you have to install something else because things have moved on. Uh, so that's a very important thing for us is backwards compatibility. So you install something and uh, it will still be working in 15 years. Um, um, and then the, the, the last thing for us is, is ease of use. We've learned um, it, 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 ease of use is, is, is absolutely critical. If you put in a complicated system that nobody knows how to use, it doesn't get used and then you don't see the savings. And you often get that with some overcomplicated solutions um, that essentially they get installed and then nobody knows how to use them. And unfortunately, they end up sometimes even waste more uh, than, than, than what was there before because they become um, out of commission and they're not being serviced. So, um, yeah, so th- those are my kind of big three things on, on, on that point. No, absolutely. Thank you so much. Uh, perhaps, uh, Praveen, what's your take on that? Uh, well, sim- similar to what Alistair said, you know, I guess you've got to look at what you're investing in it and, uh, you know, whether you have a good return on investment, right? At the end of the day, that's mm-hmm. what it's all about. As an operator, you need, you're spending, yeah. some, spending money or investing in something, you, you have to have a good return. I mean, from, from our perspective, uh, I mean, we, we don't have any hardware that goes along with what we provide. So it's, it's a subscription, you know, so a lot of the companies now work on a subscription model, which is just a per month, you know, per unit type model which is actually quite pocket friendly, you know, so it doesn't really have to cost you the earth to put a system in that will handle your day-to-day operational thing. So handle that entire resident cycle, you know, for all the way through from the contract negotiation part, the sales angle, you know, bringing that resident in, making sure that resident is allocated a room or a unit, and Mm. then following through with all of the maintenance and other things to do with that, right? So so that co-operational aspect of things uh, is obviously quite, quite important to set up from day one and you mentioned you set up a good system up from day one uh, but unfortunately a lot of the co-living operators that i've spoken to they don't really value technology that much yet you know it's sort of still uh, sort of in its infancy uh, as far as tech is concerned but there's a huge value and uh, if, if they sit down and actually work out the return of investment it's going to be a no-brainer right spending mm. then you know a few hundred dollars a month you know for your uh, software that will just completely streamline your operations the way you're doing things standardize it so if someone ever leaves your organization the next person comes in and is running from day one you know so having that system in place is really the uh, the most important thing as you're starting up this is my take super andre what's your take from the perspective of south systems what, what what do we need to be betting on what do we have to 
what, what, what is the technology that you believe is going to have the greatest upside for any operator kind of think of what, in what to invest? Uh, I think in, in the way of the, the investor, I think our platforms with the, the, our cloud platforms with the, some integrations are, are the future and Salto is moving always to, to improve the, the technology, the technology uh, always developing. It's, it's a technology that is in constant development, uh, developing and uh, uh, we are there for, for, for the, 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 the new the new the new things that market is 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 asking for no that, that that's great sorry guys i'm conscious of time so i'd like to thank you guys everyone for the contribution but before we close i'd love to open up to uh the participants see if you have any burning questions that you'd like to ask you know any of the speakers uh, unless they had to leave a little bit earlier but we know the system very well we have used it for a while uh, Genius Hub, so we can answer any questions from their perspective uh, if necessary. So, any sort of questions, any burning questions? Please feel free to mute yourself if you have a question. Hi, Williams, it's Christian. Hi, Christian, how you doing, man? Good, good. I mean, I do not have a question at all, but I, I really uh, enjoyed the session. Thank you very much. Um, what I maybe can contribute is that, I mean, all of, of us are seeing um, generations being in a, in, in a movement uh, towards more renting than owning, uh, changing lifestyles. And I think that is um, maybe not the golden answer, but uh, definitely something where we all are super conscious and, and, and looking forward to work with new customer experience flows. And that is actually um, key for us. Thank you. No, thank you so much. Guys, any other questions? Uh, Actually, I, like I, I wouldn't mind yeah. having a question for, for Christian, uh, yeah. since he's tied up with Colib. Has, uh, from a tech perspective, right? Uh, have you guys ever thought about bringing some standards for co-living from a tech angle, being a global entity that advocates co-living? I mean, that's, uh, that's an absolute valid and a good question. So um, you will see, up, uh, see us upcoming um, in the very soon, actually, with some uh, workshops and um, tech-specific um, meetups where we actually are, I mean, looking forward to actually do what, what you're just saying. So, I mean, I cannot promise to come up with a standard um, for tech, but um, as we are already all open-minded and willing to exchange, I think the, the key question is now bringing up all uh, like-minded and uh, focused technology players all together to discuss actually the uh, critical phases. So curation phase, onboarding phase, in-house life, off-boarding phases to uh, get a common understanding of the um, customer experience needed together with um, our lovely operators who can join and um, exchange their experience, their needs and their requirements. And based on that, I mean, in the long-term run, uh, I would love to present uh, a standard um, or at least some, some priorities uh, where we uh, can measure ourselves. Guys, I know we are a little bit after the time. I would like to thank you everyone for taking their time and particularly, you know, Praveen, Andre, um, 
um, and Alas Dai for you know taking their time to share their knowledge of us. You know, it, it as we have realized there is a lot to learn. And I also would like to thank Ricardo Guimarães for an amazing presentation. I know has been short, but we are going to make sure that summary kind of really covers all the key points from your presentation. And we'd like to invite you to join uh, Colib as a member. I mean, we are a fantastic organization. We have people like Christian, uh, like, you know, like there is a whole bunch of us that are really passionate about Colibing and continue to invest a lot of time in evolving what this strategy is about not only in Portugal, but also in the UK and many other countries around the world. So we really kind of um, invite you to look, look at what we are doing and, and join the movement. Okay, without further ado, thank you ever so much and have a fantastic evening. Thanks again for joining us today. And from all of us here at CoLive, we hope you learned a lot and maybe even picked up a few pieces of wisdom to help expand the co-living movement. To check out the CoLive membership, that will allow you to connect with other leading co-living professionals, or even just to stay updated on future podcasts and upcoming events, head over to colive.org. Again, that's co-liv.org. Thanks again for tuning in, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode.